We have arrived. We yep. have arrived. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. Talking about franchise quarterbacks and like fan obsession with if their guy is the franchise quarterback and it, it makes them so out of touch with with like the present state of the team to where you're all these fans like of more than half the teams in pro sports now are just they they can't even appreciate what's on the field because is this guy is this coach gonna is this the coach of the future is this the franchise quarterback he's like he was talking about the Jets and the Giants specifically he's like if you're the Jets or the Giants you had zero expectation for this year you're both looking at right now a good chance to make the playoffs, and yet most of the fan base in for the Jets can't shut the fuck up about whether or Zach not Wilson. Zach Wilson is the franchise quarterback. He's like, what the fuck does it matter? You guys are four and two out of nowhere. You've already exceeded expectations for the entire season. It doesn't matter. Just ride the wave. Like he didn't say this, but looking back on it. Mark Sanchez went to two straight AFC championships. Mark yep. Sanchez, who is the well, there, most there's, clowned quarterback, was the most clown quarterback for years. There's been plenty of, uh, what's it called, instances of, of quarterbacks like that. You know what I mean? What? I mean, the Bears in 06 with Grossman. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. The Broncos won a Super Bowl with the fucking ghost of Peyton Manning. Yeah. Like, there's – you can go on and on. So there, if you get to the playoffs, dude, it's the NFL. Like if, if you're there, you got a shot, no matter what, like you can look at the Bengals. I, they, that defeats the quarterback argument, but like these teams that get there, if they, if they game plan well, if they run their schemes and whatnot, doesn't matter if your quarterback's thrown for 450 yards and four touchdowns every game. Like it doesn't, it's, it, that is a, that's a pretty bad point. I would agree that fans literally are, <laughs> It's ridiculous. And the same goes with Fields, too. Everything he does, it's like looked under with a microscope. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the other part to that is, well, what do you mean by franchise quarterback? Like, there needs to be a definition because it the, the franchise quarterback statement is thrown out in every circle and every debate and every sports talk and every game. Is this guy, is Fields, is Wilson, is... Trevor, are they the franchise? Like, what is a franchise quarterback? Because you, you're you not going to get a Mahomes or a Brady, right? Those guys, one in a million, right? And those are the guys that play in the Super Bowl every year. So you know what you have in front of you is not Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. So then what are you, what are you looking for in a franchise quarterback? Is it a guy that can just give you a baseline, you know, of – above average for X amount of time because I mean, Joe Flacco was great in the playoffs. He never was a top top three, four, five passer in the league. Matt Ryan won an MVP. He's never been the best quarterback in the league. Like is Matt Ryan kind of the standard for like, that's what you're looking for in a franchise quarterback, a guy that can consistently win games because then it's like, how can Tannehill. you even how how can you even make a debate because these other guys that aren't the best 
it's just about winning games. It's not about throwing for 350 and three touchdowns every game. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that is that's a pretty good point. I've never thought of it like that, but that's funny. Like part of my take does that too. It's like the guy, like see a guy, he's a guy, like and that that is what fans obsess over. Now now the Patriots are talking about is Zappy gonna beat out Mac? Is he our new franchise quarterback? Is Matt should we trade Mac? And it's been like it's been two weeks and they've been win- like granted they've been winning, but they, they made it to the playoffs last year with with Jones and it is it if you that that does lend more to the point what we're arguing is to build the structure around whoever you got. You need look, I mean the Jets drafted Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They've gotten countless years of old linemen. They've got Quinn and Whit like just building trenches and skill positions. And granted, they did draft Zach Wilson second overall, but I mean if you have a good structure, it's these guys are gonna be in such a better spot to do anything. And even Mitch, dude, like that Bears team was probably the best team in the league the second half of the year. They played like it week in and week out, and they were probably the best team in the NFL for half the season the, and the more important half of the season, the second half into the playoffs. That A couple things go a little differently. We're in the NFC Championship, you know, and then it's like, oh, Mitch is the franchise quarterback. Well, it doesn't change anything about Mitch's aptitude or Mitch's ability on the field. He just had the pieces around him where he didn't have to be Patrick Mahomes to win games, but he would then be given, he would have been given that if if they beat the Eagles and even if they lost the NFC championship or in the Super Bowl, people would have declared Mitch the guy without, and it's not like Mitch was, he made some good throws and he was, he did decline. But I think a lot of that decline was due to not having a great defense that was putting him in advantageous field positions all season when he had to put drives together and obviously inept play calling. But he would have been crowned the guy, and this is a guy we're building around. And we would have found out that, yeah, he's not a guy that can, you know, Josh Allen backpack and just lead you down the field and score in a big time. But I think it's just, I think it's interesting because there's so many guys, so many teams right now are and fan bases are obsessing over the guy that's holding it down at quarterback and if he is the franchise quarterback. So there's really no, it's a pretty abstract idea or concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, what is, is it associated with winning or is it associated with stats? Cause the guys who do, who have both are the, the absolute gods of the league that everybody sucks off as like the greatest ever and it's Allen and like whatever you know the list but then what is like so what do we associate Daniel Jones now that they're five and one and they're playing good football Daniel Jones looks great honestly in his role under I Dable's a great coach he's putting him in good spots to succeed and Jones is succeeding so what is he now is he is he still the same fucking bum that we saw the last couple of years or is he a legit quarterback now like what it's, it is pretty, I don't know. It, it, it is, it is a tough concept to think about. Yeah. I think it just, I think it just changes. It's, it's honestly like saying, you know, like a media in the news talking point where it's, Oh, fake news or vaccine or just those, like those uh, flash buzzwords that they throw out 
that no one really knows what they mean, but they know when they hear it that they should like tune in. You know what I mean? It's it's like clickbait for just the talking heads of the sports media because there you look back at teams that have made runs, and if your name isn't Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and now the Mahomes and and Josh Allen, a lot of them just had good pieces around them and a decent scheme, and most of those guys that you know Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer, it was funny. I was talking about this with people at work and every time I I brought up the, you know, this kind of talking point, everyone immediately just said Trent Dilfer. Like that was the first name that popped in. They're a little old. He's like the the worst quarterback to ever win. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and he's got the, the, uh, he runs the passing camps and Dilfer's dimes and shit. The guy was just a really just not even barely average quarterback, but it's it's makes no sense. And I think if you're a Giants fan, if you're a Jets fan, you really do just need to take it and be like, my team's winning right now. It doesn't have to. I don't have to have Patrick Mahomes to be happy with how my quarterback is playing, because at the end of the day, the blame goes on the quarterback if they lose and the praise comes to them. If they win, Daniel Jones should be getting praised because he's doing enough to win with an a bottom half roster. And even if it's guys making plays on defense, we saw Julian love made an incredible play last week. That was great to see. And everyone's rallying around each other. You know, it was kind of like what the bears were in 2018. The defense was standing on their head and they'd, they'd make a couple nice play calls and you find yourselves up 17 to six, you know, and that's, that's the way the NFL works. You know, Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes because he might be the most talented player to ever play the position, and the Chiefs are great. But there's a lot of factors in the Chiefs being great. Like Andy Reid makes everything that Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes make offense look so easy, and that's a relationship. Dude, Andy Reid made Alex Smith look like a top ten quarterback every year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Five, he was yeah Pro Bowl or All Pro. <laughs> Every every year, Alex Smith was lighting it up before his injury. No, yeah, and I mean just countless examples. But you're right; it's just buzzwords. Like they weren't they weren't saying Case Keenum was was the future. The Vikings fans are just fucking elated when they pulled off the Minnesota miracle or whatever. Just shit like that, you know. Who's hot? Like who who do people want to talk about? Like no one gives a fuck about Case Keenum, even if the Vikings were going to the NFC championship or no one gave a fuck about Mark Sanchez unless he was running into his own guy's ass and fumbling. And majority of people that you, even football fans that you talk about the back-to-back AFC championships don't really that it's like, yeah, Bart Scott and Darrell Rivas were two of the best defensive players in the league. And that's the main reason they got there. And it's not like Rex Ryan was engineering incredible schemes because he's not that kind of coach, but that that's more winning than we've seen in Chicago. You know, I I've, I've watched the bears win what one playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that, that, the, the thing with having, having the best quarterback, which is why so many of these franchises are just in infamy at all times is so when, like you were saying, Jets fans bitching about that, you got to If you get your season, you got to enjoy it. You know what I mean? That shit. They might be. They might be like the Bears and be fucking six and ten next year or something like that. 
Because every the teams that are historically bad, every once in a while get their season. The fucking Jaguars were in an NFC championship or AFC championship, I mean, but it's always you'll you'll get your one, and the Chiefs get theirs every year, and the Bills get theirs every year now. And whoever, if you got the quarterback, you'll go. But if you don't, then enjoy it. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's more of kind of getting closer to the answer is all it all it is having a franchise quarterback is you just have a bit of a higher baseline going into the season you know consistency yeah just that's all it is is having a little bit it doesn't mean that you're gonna be competing for the Super Bowl every year which is what it is all about so I think that discredits it even more like yeah you know Aaron Rodgers even when he's not playing his best football like now no one is counting out the Packers to be able to come out of the NFC still, even though they, you know, they lose the Jets, Rodgers throwing a couple picks. Like everyone knows that he could easily turn the ship around. That's not always the case with a Blake Bortles and the Jags when they almost went to the Super Bowl or Mark Sanchez when he could have gone to two if a couple plays go a little differently. But I thought it was interesting. I think it's an interesting debate, especially because there is no subs there's really no substance to it when you get down to it but you got to give credit I mean New York's having fun Zach Wilson still can't complete a pass downfield he makes some of the most bizarre throws tries to fit in balls that's no one in their right mind would try to make like he threw one in a big spot where it's okay just he's out of the pocket by the sideline either run out or throw the ball out of bounds. And he throws just across his body, barely looking right to a DB in the end zone and didn't catch it. But dude, come on. You know, you've played, you've played 20 games now, dude, like figure it out a little bit, but yeah. And Daniel Jones, I like this giants team, dude, they scrap. They have a great running back who they know they got to get the ball to their defense is standing up and making plays. And Daniel Jones is the quarterback on, uh, first place or a second place team that's in the playoff picture right now. So yeah, and their their wide receiver room looks like a fucking war tent, <laughs> and they're still they're, they're still the Western doing front, okay. dude. Yeah, <laughs> thought that was Normandy, yeah. not fucking Kadarius Kid- Tony limping away. <laughs> dude, yeah, imagine but, imagine if Galladay was playing even at seventy percent of what he was in Detroit. Yeah. Like they have they have virtually they they're better obviously, but they're close to the bears in terms of how compared to the rest of the league, that is just having really no flash in their wide receiver room whatsoever, where it's like, how can you not have at least one guy, all these, all the talent that's out there at the position. Some teams have an embarrassment of riches and other, other teams have, you know, Dante Pettis as their number one. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we saw it. Last week, we the Bears game kicked right after we recorded, and I mean that was a fucking nightmare. That was I don't know what you'd call that. Dante Pettis did smack I, that though. That that yeah, uh, long reception. Long com- I I fucking we're doing reverse back pivot handoffs to Khalil Herbert on the half yard line again. I, I on that same drive they snuck it and got the first down and didn't go back to it. We're on the literal quarter yard line uh, all I needed was for us to go up seven to cash the early win and that so that pissed me off the whole game all those red zone opportunities had so many chances and it was just 
it was pitiful. Yeah, yeah we had zero zero points in three possessions we had inside the five. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, no, that the Bears just suck to watch, even too. Like, and that's it's been like that. The for commanders, four years. the commanders were much worse than us too, which is the sad part. You know what I mean? They couldn't even they couldn't move anything, and the Bears' defense is below average this year. They were, yeah. dude. The commanders were more undisciplined than the like, just worse in every facet, and they won the game because fucking Valus Jones. Look at he looks like he was trying to catch a beach ball, dude. going down on his knees. And he, ridiculous. the yips, it, you can only call it the yips at this point. He, I, muffs happen, right? Unless you're Chris Fink, but muffs will happen. But when you're muffing a ball that you're under and you fall over and let it not even hit your hands, that's where it's like, it looks like he had never returned a punt before in his life. Like that looked like someone going out there and it's, yo, this guy's going to punt it to you try to catch it you know throwing out some guy from you know the 200 level at soldier and just being like yo try to catch this that's what it looked like just had no idea and he's done that a couple times now and you know what's the great thing that you you always have a bailout if you're the punt returner if if you're not sure and you're kind of worried based on the way the ball's getting down you know what's great marty you know what you can do if you're velas jones let it go you cannot touch it. You can just get yeah. away from the ball. And he actually did that earlier in the game where it's like, like why didn't he just times. catch that? He just he ran away from he, it. It's like, well, at least you're not at least you're smart enough to know that if you don't the worst thing can't happen if you just get away from the ball. You can erase the worst possible scenario. Yeah, he caught the first punt, ran away from the rest of them. And then the last one that with the game on the line decides to do that. The, just, there was one opportunity, one scenario that Washington can win that game because they, they could not move the ball at all. No. On a, yeah, as you said, a subpar defense. They could not move the ball at all. The only thing, and every Washington fan, every Washington better was rooting on this. God, at this point, we just got to root for a muff punt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'll give us 50 yards of field position. And they got it. And it's like, well, we do this often. That's our brand of football at this point is just make backbreaking mistakes to complement lackluster scheme and last lackluster execution. So that game was a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that was tough. Tough. He, he really wants to cash my $25 future on the alt under bears under five wins. So at least I got that decent now considering, I mean, there can't be a worse team than the commanders that we play. The rest of the year, they they stink. But yeah, um, what some some of the rest of these games from last week, the 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 Bills got got revenge, won the rematch. Great game. That, those games yeah. will always those will always be great games for the next ten years plus. That should I mean that should probably be the AFC Championship depending on seating. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs are definitely they're definitely human. I you can see how the Bengals were able to knock them off last year. Like there's the, I mean, the Raiders should have won that game too. Yeah, for sure. So they, they realistically should be three and three, just like the rest of the damn NFL. Everybody's losing to each other this year, but the bills, I mean, are just a, a juggernaut. And there's a reason why they they were favored to start the year. Instead of I've the heard, I've heard rumors of a deal to get Christian McCaffrey to Buffalo. And 
So I had a thought last year where the ba- the Bears were being the Bears, dog shit, terrible to watch, terrible programming, and there's one guy that sticks out and has stuck out, and I didn't get into this, but it frustrates me so much, that why the Bears don't give the ball to David Montgomery every single play because he is our only guy that can consistently do well with the ball in his hands. But I was hoping that Dave Montgomery, because he plays his fucking dick off and he's a very good running back. I want him to go to Buffalo or I want him to go somewhere where he he will be valued and he can be in a winning system. And I was thinking, I was like, man, I'd love to see Dave Montgomery in Buffalo. I don't want to watch him waste away here, you know? And now it's looking like the bills will be head and shoulders better than everyone in the league. If they get that top kind of RB that they've been missing, that's really been the only thing they've been missing because Devin Singletary has some talent, but he's just not it. He's just Uh all their guys. Like, and I've heard rumors of a trade to get McCaffrey and I don't think it would be that expensive, to be honest. Like he's a running. It can't back. be. It can't be more than I would imagine. Maybe one first round pick, which for the Bills would be the end, a late round. You know what I mean? Dude, I first, think it'd maybe, be like a second rounder, and yeah, maybe maybe uh, a like second. a second, a fourth. It, yeah, could be. Which you're willing you're right, to do? Something. But the the thing is, though, he just did get extended, so it's not like. So he does – he has some team control. I don't know. I really – when's the last time a running back was traded like that? It's, it doesn't happen, so it's hard to gauge trade value. Do we trade so, Howard? Yeah, for we... a fifth. <laughs> I think we tra- – yeah, we trade A guy that was like fifth. a top seven running back for us for three years and it just no value on the market but whatsoever. The, I think the last time a running back was traded for a first was Trent Richardson. You saw that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the Colts traded a first for him. That was, like, the worst trade ever. Well, it shows why no one fucking does it, dude. If he's the guy. Yeah, imagine imagine of all the running backs that have ever come through, or at that time, at least. They're like, you know what? Trent's our guy. Fucking chip off a first. The the Colts must have just been done with Joseph Adai's shit. (laughs) They're just done. (laughs) They've had enough. But yeah, no, it's it. The Bills are an absolute wagon, and something like that. <laughs> Can you imagine McCaffrey running like wheel routes underneath, like Stephon Diggs running a post, like, and then Gabe Davis fucking streaking down? Like, how do they cover everybody? You can't. And Dawson Knox is solid as hell too. Especially when your when your quarterback can run over a linebacker and then jump over a safety. You know, when when that's also sitting in the tank. There's a lot of options. Yeah, I. <laughs> they're they're looking pretty damn good. Eagles also looked. Um, again, they keep the the title as the only undefeated left in the NFL. Um, take down Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. Who Cooper Rush didn't look as good as he had. I know they had that push late. But the Eagles came out, rivalry game. They always hype up the Eagles-Cowboys matchup so fucking much. So much. And I'm like, I don't even think it's that great a rivalry, but whatever. And they hype it up, and the Eagles come out, and they punch 
the Cowboys in the mouth. Um, really could have gone up 20, 24 points by halftime. Didn't execute fully. They still win. Um, are they in that two spot behind the Bills, you think? For overall in the league? Mm-hmm. Um, or do the Chiefs still I, have to be? I, I think it's I think it's still got to be the Chiefs. It, it, like, no matter what, because we've seen it for four years now, just those close games, like any other team loses that game to the Raiders, but but that Chiefs-Mahomes team, you know what I mean? They just like always Bama. pull them out. Yeah, they always pull them out. Which it's, we'll get into yeah, later. It's a good point. But yeah, that's I, I they're just it, the Eagles are too young, I think now, but I think they're the favorite in the NFC personally. With the yeah, way the all Rams, these other the Rams are all just these other not teams it. are just mediocre. The Rams, Packers, and Bucks, who everybody right, that's, had as their that's favorites. supposed to be and kind of has been the standard in the NFC for the last couple of years. And they're and just yeah, not they're all, performing. Very mediocre. I mean, the Bucks exactly. look terrible on offense, and yeah, frankly, they sh- they were up in it was up in the air that that Falcons game um, a week from Sunday, a week from last Sunday, two weeks ago now, um, where the Bucks were handed that first down, and the Falcons would have had a chance to go down and tie or win. So the Bucks really aren't scaring anybody at this point. I don't think, uh, obviously they have Brady. It's similar with the Packers where you can never write, you can't write them off until they are literally out of mathematically out of playoff contention, but the Rams were the, are the reigning champ. And dude, the Rams look like a, a rebuilding team right now. And we've been talking about this, but it can't, we can't keep blaming Van Jefferson, the Rams in that, <laughs> you know, ineptitude on Van Jefferson's absence. Like it's more than that. <laughs> Dude, they're, I, it's, th- see, that's why the NFL is so damn weird. And like I said, you got to enjoy your season when you get it because Matt Stafford just won a Super Bowl and comes in now. He's got like 10 interceptions or something crazy. It's like, dude, what? Like, like what's going three on? Three pick sixes or four pick sixes. It's, it just, it makes no sense. It's, that's why there's so much parody, I guess. But like, it's so hard to predict something like that. How do you? How the fuck did you know Matt Matt Stafford was going to come in and look like an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And and then the it's such a week to week thing, the NFL. Like the the Niners look like well that that Bears game was a fluke, you know. Um. They look back and they're firing in all cyl- cylinders, and then they go out and get dominated by the Falcons. And I know the Falcons had some big plays that kind of spurred them on to the 28 points, but what, where do these teams fall? It's, it's only, they can't, you can't cement yourself in that tier until you're, you have that kind of rapport like the chiefs where you're not out of any game. You know what I mean? You can't give the credence to the, the Niners or the, the Bucks or the Rams right now until they string a couple weeks together. Like very few teams have put together a two or three week. Granted, it has been a short season, but a couple, even two weeks together that looked impressive, you know, outside of the bills and the Eagles, everyone is laying duds. And somehow the Vikings are sitting there five and one too. Yeah. I mean, they're pulling out wins, but they, I mean, 
they don't look like they're fucking world beaters or anything either. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then the another team on um on the West Coast in Arizona, they have had one of the best rosters in football the last couple of years, and dude, they look terrible, terrible. Yeah. Like, I would up yeah. nine against the Seahawks, and I guess you might be banged up a little bit, but there's no excuse to be putting up nine points against this Seahawks team who can't stop anyone. Yeah, so I mean, just shows why preseason awards are fucking nothing because the Broncos and the Cardinals might be the two two of the most disappointing teams in recent memory. Honestly, you can't put the Raiders in there because. They've lost some absolute heartbreakers that they should have a couple more wins than they than they do. But like the brand, the, the brand of football that Arizona and Denver play is just it's pitiful. Honestly, <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, and I thought I thought the joke was kind of over for the Broncos after their last primetime game, and then they fire right back with another one, and it's the exact same thing. It was the exact same. I'm like, I've watched the Broncos play the exact same primetime game four times now this season. They're identical. They can't get the ball in the end zone. And some the other team gets yips too. Like they're they have contagious yips, the Broncos, where the teams they play also look like shit, but still beat them. And the Russ slander is off the charts. Not that I feel one way or another about it. I did like Russ as a player in Seattle, but I do enjoy kind of the – I do enjoy the memes, the Russ memes and shitting on the Broncos. But, dude, that that might – that is on pace to be one of the most, if not the most disappointing allocation of, of funds in NFL history. Well, it's just crazy because of how talented they are. Like, at least, at least you think so. I think uh, Aikman said it on the broadcast. He's, I'm like – he's like – like they have so much talent that like they can't keep playing like this, right? Like they're like right, like, yeah. right? or are are they are they like or are the people are they not talented? Or he's like, it's it's great. I don't I don't know what to think honestly. I, I think Nathaniel Hackett should get Urban Meyered where he doesn't make it through his first season because this has been honestly you have worse to than, right like yeah he's looked he's looked worse than Matt Nagy. What honestly. could he? What could be done? Here's here's the argument that you make where you have to forget about the optics and you have to eat your loss and you just have to wear it. What could he possibly do in like, realistically speaking, what could he possibly do to reconcile the first two months of the season and the mismanagement of this talent, the quarterback room, the wide receiver room? I don't think there's anything. So if, if you can't come up with, if you're a Denver and you can't come up with an answer for that, he needs to be fired. And it doesn't matter who you put in there because 95% of the time, I mean, I guess we were talking baseball, the Phillies did it. And now the Phillies have a good chance of making the world series, but in the NFL, if you're going to eat it and get rid of your coach, you're kind of, you know, taking, taking it on the chin for the season. You're, you know, when have we seen a guy get canned and, and, you know, interim comes in and they make a playoff run, I guess Basicia last year, um, they almost won that wild card game against the Bengals, but I think you just got you got to get. There's no reason that I could 
be given that could be given to me that would make me feel like you know what yeah no you should keep Hackett. yeah no i honestly like like i brought up Nagy, but like at least i mean it was not as bad we matt Nagy was a really bad coach just from some from a, a, a lot of aspects but dude i don't know if i've seen something like this in a while like it's just he's worse on it like at least Matt Nagy came in. I know we had a bunch of talent. We won 12 games his, his fucking first year. And the next year, I, I think, what, were we 500 and made the playoffs or something like that? But still, like, I don't see – I met – Nagy would make some glaring mistake or just – or we were just undisciplined and stupid. Yeah. And the Bron- – I mean, Hackett is actively, like, losing team his team games, like, every every week. After after that Colts game, I can't, you can't give me an argument that he's going to be a good coach at all. So that was maybe the worst football game I've ever watched in the NFL. Yeah, I I think that's kind of the the lens that you have to put it through is how can we fix this? And if you can't come up with a reasonable answer with Hackett still at the helm, then how how can you not? go forward and firing him. It's not like he has immense ties to this, this team. It's his first year, like get him the fuck out of there. And like, you've already hit rock bottom virtually with, with the roster you have, it really couldn't be any worse, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think teams are hesitant because it looks so terrible and it's and it seems like in the NFL, if you do that, you're kind of waving the white flag on the season. But at this point, you just got to get a different body in there because nothing's going to change with this guy with the headset on. So, yeah, Broncos, man. Let's try. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get them fucking next week somehow, Sunday night. Like a, Bron- a Broncos Texans game, like gets flexed to Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> I think once once this podcast comes out and people aren't able to ignore the Hackett's mismanagement of the Broncos, we'll probably we'll probably get the ball rolling in the firing process out in Denver. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, the the Walton Penner group is big. They're big splitting gaps uh, listeners. They're like, dude, I don't know. I I think we I think they called our bluff, dude. We gotta get we gotta get him out of there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Bengals, nice win against the Saints. Saints are scrapping as usual. I didn't. I don't have much to say on that game. Burrow looked pretty yeah, good. Jamar's had a great game. I was pissed fantasy wise. Um, they had that. They got the possession there at the end, and I was looking for some more points from. Literally Higgins, Hurst, and Mixon were in my starting lineup. And it's like, all right, well, I can – if I need a touchdown from one of them and some yardage, whoever whoever it is, I didn't care, immediately, like, second play, you know, get it all in one to the one guy on the offense that's not on my team, which, which hurts. But, yeah, I think the Bengals will be fine. Steelers, I don't know, Mitch. What was what was his line? Don't I didn't write back or whatever the fuck it was. And the guys like wrote him off. Is that what um, Mitch said? I thought Gino said that. Or Gino said that. I I think I saw me. I was like, did did Mitch? Oh yeah, Mitch. Mitch came out and said the exact same thing. 
Yeah, but he looked all right. I think I think Tomlin might have sparked a little toughness in him, which he that's, just did not have at all. That's the that's the Mitch experience, though. He always he always has those games where you're like, ah, he looks pretty good. Like hits makes like some tight window throws. That's why he like, played for four years. Show, I guess. Show, shows he's an athlete. Like scrambles around, breaks a couple tackles, and then and then there's those games where you're like, dude, how is this guy in the NFL? It's pretty. He's the complete dichotomy every single time he steps out on the field you don't know what you're going to get yeah he's an enigma but i don't know i don't think i don't think they're gonna get back on the right on the right track with him in terms of competing Uh, for that division it's going to be a two-man race uh but lamar goes down to new york throws that back-breaking pick trying to make a play and around his own end zone Julian Love comes up huge. Great to see the Domers making plays. And, yeah, we already touched on the Giants. But um, looking at the rest of this slate, don't really have much else. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty eh slate, honestly. None of the games yeah. did, did, uh, did much for me. The fucking Patriots murdered the Browns. Like, there was pretty much whatever. Besides that Chiefs game, yeah. So I think we could uh, maybe transition into into the college slate, which was much, much better. Obviously, going to start with the game, and I have never seen a game. I mean, I granted I wasn't on Twitter for much of my football watching career, but dude, the amount of volume on Twitter about the Basically, the rigged game rigged in Tennessee's favor from the Bama from Bama people and college football people was insane all week. I, I the the ref the officiating wasn't great. I agree. It was they there was so many bad calls for both sides, but the one that kind of is. I, the biggest one was the late PI thrown on the pick that would have sealed the game. I I don't have that much problem with it. It's a clear makeup call. What it was, yeah. it was a makeup call for the pass interference that they got completely wrong. When was, when Jacory Brooks pulled him down. Yeah, yeah, and that was hats off to Brooks because that's a great play. It worked. He it it worked on the officials. His little, you know gig he pulled it worked and it got him a touchdown if that's opi that's 15 yards back from that's a 46 yard field goal then on fourth down and so it's not a guaranteed three and it's certainly not the end of the game so i think that's a makeup call and those two virtually cancel out i know there was some some hits that weren't called targets that could have been based on the way targeting has been called but as a football fan and as a Tennessee better, but more so as a football fan and just a bo- like just one of the boys, all I wanted was to see Neyland and Knoxville after a win. I wanted them to win just to see what that place looked like, and it did not disappoint. I think there was probably 85,000 people on that field within 10 minutes of the game ending. They took the goalpost for a spin. One of the great atmospheres threw it in, I've ever threw it in seen. the river. Yeah, they wound up in the river. 
One of the greatest no, yeah. atmospheres I've ever seen in sports. Knoxville yeah, that on was, Saturday. That was one of the best college football games of all time. Yeah. Instant but, classic. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to forget that one. But one point about the game being rigged is, like you said, there was a lot of iffy calls. But unless I'm missing something that this ref crew was the same, the two most penalized games in Nick Saban history were that Texas game a few weeks ago and then this game. So there's, uh, if the refs aren't the same, then there's only one parallel, and it's the same Alabama team. So obviously this team is not as good as years past, if that's the case. They're really undisciplined, as you can tell, by fucking getting 17 penalties in this game and 15. And the ones that you could say are maybe iffy, it's still like – or. That right, I'm not sold fans. that that wasn't a PI call because he did yeah. get there early. It's not the kind of call that I want to be seeing made in a in a game on the line situation. But it's not like he wasn't touched or anything. You know, it wasn't a phantom call. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's what I mean. It's like you're still giving him a chance to throw it by having all this con, and that's that has been a part of Nick Saban football is force the refs to make a call. You just maul everybody and usually, and they haven't been And this year. They obviously have been, and it's been a detriment. So that'd be interesting to see if that trend continues. I don't know, but yeah, like, I think am, am I wrong? Point. That's, I feel like Saban all that's every Saban team just is really, really aggressive, just hyper aggressive yeah. on every, everyone's every around the, the ball. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. looking back to the Texas game. I watched every second, every down of that game, and I didn't. I don't remember seeing a call that was wrong per se. That sh- that should have been a no call on Bama. I mean, a lot of them. Will Anderson had like three offsides. The false starts, obviously, you can't debate. It wasn't a lot of personal foul calls that added up to. I think it was fifteen or sixteen flags. But I did see a couple face masks, glaring face masks, that it seemed like okay, once you have 15 flags, we we can't throw any anymore. So I think it could have been more like 20 in that Texas game. And they played a similar similar style on Saturday. And I do think that it is what's consistent here, what's been there, if not the officiating crew, is Alabama and the same Alabama defense in the same O line that's had trouble staying, you know, on the on the call with each other. They probably had about five false starts too on that game on Saturday, which are just yeah, pre-snap. You know what I mean? Right. Anderson, that's that's eight penalties with Anderson's offsides and or you know what I mean? Just pre-snaps are half the battle, if not more so, you know, that add to it. So I think I I don't I disavow the idea that the game was rigged. I think it might seem a little more rigged when Alabama comes out on the losing side of a game with spotty officiating, because that rarely happens. And I know Alabama fans would fight me on that, which I think any I don't fan think it base, ever happens. <laughs> I mean, I think any That's fan base would because everyone really kind of thinks that their team's getting screwed if they lose, you know, and I, I don't blame, I am the same way. I think yeah. you are too. I think most fans that are passionate about their team are, but Tennessee is probably at this point, the number one team in the country with their resume. That's what I said. I said that I made a point on Saturday when I was watching, I'm like, they Tennessee should, should go to one. I figured that they wouldn't, but. If, if, if that's how the rankings work, then yes, they should be. 
and you you kind of have to i mean ohio state is the most dominant at this point but we're learning more and more that that notre dame win didn't mean fucking shit when yeah. you're losing as the 17 and a half point favorites to stanford so they have the best resume they have a top three quarterback which is another big part of it and yeah the vols are back you know i guess i guess second to texas tennessee fans that's kind of been the that's kind of been the next like texas is back it's usually like tennessee everyone wants fucking tennessee to get back you know and they are they beat texas to it and it's funny looking at looking at this week they just got tennessee martin coming in just riding a high they their fans don't got to worry about anything no nerves they're just gonna put up a 60 spot on them or something they're just gonna ride it into their next game i don't even know when their next tough game is but that's it's a good time to be a Tennessee fan, that's for sure. It it does make things interesting because every time Bama's lost a game like this, they win out and probably win the SEC. So we could be seeing a one-loss Georgia, a conference champion, one-loss Bama, and a one-loss Tennessee all there at 11 or 12-1. and one at the end of the season coming out of the SEC. Well, yeah, if if Georgia – yeah, exactly. The way it happens is if Georgia beats Tennessee, they're going to take that side of the conference, and then Alabama beats Georgia in the championship. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, do we got – is it Ohio State and three SEC teams? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we, we'd need Clemson to lose a couple. Or, or TCU would have to lose, too. Well, then if you have a – if Clemson loses their conference championship, which wouldn't be to a great team, you know, just yeah. because there aren't any other great teams in their in the ACC. Like a one loss Clemson would have to drop below any three of those with one loss. So there's definitely there's there's a clear path with Ohio State. Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama in the, in the playoff. I mean, as I need SEC some parity. Would be... you, we need some parity in the in the Pac-12 too. Even and that that's the least of our worries because they they'll find a way. Yeah, it's fun. Like I I don't like SEC fans who go crazy about their conference either. But would that not be a pretty sick playoff? I feel like those games would be awesome. Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. I'm not I'm not going to be rooting for it, but. I feel like that would be some good football. I don't know. It would be some great football. And yeah, I guess we did get some parody with USC going down to Utah. That was a fantastic game. I don't know how much of you, um, how much you caught of it, but went down. To the I, wire. I missed, I, I missed it, but I Our saw buddy beach play. who will be back. Um, he, he had a rough Saturday from his account on the gambling side of things. He doubled down on on the Alabama loss with USC, forty three to forty two loss. Caleb Williams twenty five of forty two for three eighty one, five touchdowns, no picks. Phenomenal game, but maybe the player of the game on the Utah side, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, fifteen for two seventeen and a touchdown. Next next highest receiver had five for sixty. That is one of the great games you'll ever see from a tight end. And 
I the only thing I had for Beach when he broke the news about the the wager on USC was, dude, you can't bet on against a team that's repping two of their fallen teammates on their helmets. Are they going to lose that game? No. You can't lose. Like, what are you going to do? Lose when you're honoring your your fallen boys? That, do, that yeah, doesn't I guess, happen. I guess, it's like the mascot nah, game, yeah. dude. I mean, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. You know, put those put those two in the same, you know, kind of tier <laughs> because losing your mascot dog is not nearly as tragic as losing one of your teammates and one of your brothers. But down goes USC. Yeah, I I never thought USC was that great. Honestly, Caleb Williams, when he was that that USC team wasn't good last year, and they got they got him. They got die and they got Addison, and that was that's basically been their team this year. It's a lot of the same. Their defense is garbage. They basically but brought you, in a first round draft class this year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Caleb Williams is the is the absolute truth. Doesn't matter if they win or lose or whatever. Win a natty, he is a stud, and I think he's going to be pretty damn good NFL quarterback too. He's, he's got the, the chops. Balls. He's got the chops to be an NFL guy. I, yeah, I don't know that I can quantify tough. it yeah. like or like break it down, but just I test like the chops, the poise. Same with Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young is maybe the most poised and most patient college quarterback I've ever seen. He is he doesn't get rushed at all. He's always one step ahead. He never makes a bad read. And I think that a lot of those things kind of cr- kind of cross over with Caleb Williams. The other, the other game I wanted to get into specifically was the Oklahoma State TCU game, 11 versus 8. We got another another TCU, another undefeated Horn Frog teams uh, late in the seat, getting into the second half of the season, which I always liked TCU. I was fucking pissed because Oklahoma State just gave that game away. They were up 24 to 10, 24 to 7 at one point, and they handed away, and that they probably handed away their season. Because if they hold on to win that game, they're the front runner out of the Big 12. And maybe that kind of silences the talk about getting three SEC teams in there. But I don't know that TCU is good enough to win out and win the championship, the conference championship. But they're kind of running the gauntlet right now, and they're the best team in the Big 12. It's funny. A week, I think it was last week, we were just, we were just giving Spencer Sanders props. Then he proceeds to go 16 for 36. Fucking with one touchdown and a pick. Just an awful game. So you I can't mean be that's doing what, that in your fourth season. No, I know. It, it, I know I never was sold on him. I, the second I gave him props, just I, I can't I can't buy one with Sanders. The Brian Robinson treatment Marty are giving him. Yeah. Who looks good. I mean, it's crazy to think he's playing already. I think we mentioned that last week, but he looks good, dude. He's a big back, and Spencer Sanders did not look good. Yeah, cost no, him their season. Hey, did I, I uh, did I did I miss the Illini conversation? <laughs> Sorry. There he is. I didn't. I didn't have much to say on Illinois. We were actually, actually closing out the college slate, so your perfect timing. He's oh. back. He's back. Oh yeah, my god! Um, we might be making the, the playoff the, at this rate. Take the take the floor, Raymond. I mean, 
what, what what can I say about this team? I mean, this is the team of destiny right now. That we we were all. I mean, I don't know about you, Mark, but we watched that Indiana Illinois game. That if that game gets wiped out, I mean, yeah, I agree. no, they, dude, Indiana. I I said this multiple times. It's like Indiana might be my least favorite team in college football. Like I just, just <laughs> like that team. That team sucks. I don't know how and, we lost the game. Yeah, I mean like, to I be. Ray, I, I, I'm in your corner. I know that um, I might be playing both sides here, but I think it's situational because of the Illini slander that has been such a staple on the show. But we were watching that game in the big bar in Columbus. And frankly, from an unbiased third party, no rooting interest in an Indiana-Illinois game that who the fuck would have thought that that would have as big as as big implications as it does now? That call right. that they took the touchdown back is actually keeping to... Illinois from being a top ten team right now. I was about to say I didn't want I don't want give credit to the refs, blame the refs, whatever the game we lost the game, you know. But oh my god, if that call doesn't have, like not only that call, there was no other questionable calls in that game. Regardless, though. We should have taken care of business against Indiana. The team now is a completely different team than it was week two. I think technically it was week one because we played week zero. But, oh, my God, that Indiana would get shut out. No doubt in my mind if they played this defense. Right yeah, now. I. that's a good point. There's, I mean, teams literally, they, they evolve a lot throughout a college football season just because of how young these kids are that are playing. So once, once they play more snaps, you could just see – personality like that like grows teams with the progress team. yeah absolutely yeah i agree 100 percent. if indiana played illinois now they would lose by three touchdowns and ray yeah. you were down there this weekend how was that oh my god it was electric it was homecoming all the a bunch of alumni came down too had a bunch of the boys there it was absolutely electric environment the team was finally ranked for the first time going into the game and now we got bumped up even further to 18 i mean who know i mean hey Michigan, watch out. Watch out. That game's we, at the big going house. To, exactly. We, we, should, the big we, house. Should, that, we should go to that game. Dude, that, I'd be down. That would be so – I'll go looking just like this to that game. I'll <laughs> show up to the big house like this. Yeah, you'd be freezing your balls off. Yeah, Chase Brown. <laughs> can you believe Chase Brown had 41 carries last week? 41 that's, carries. That's Derrick Henry uh, tier. Not, not even. He's, a, that's he's very good. He's they don't even good. get. I don't even know if Derrick Henry was getting forty-one carries at Bama back in the day. I Bama bet you. He, I bet you he had a couple games at forty plus. But yeah, yes, you, Ray. Not. I. I don't know that that it doesn't matter. That I love the fact that U of I has found their recipe for success, and they are not deviating whatsoever. That recipe for success is get him the ball, let him cook. And play your fucking dick off on defense. And what do you? What does that show when you're not trying to get too cute? Is your your best players getting the ball 41 times on the ground? And yeah. there's been Notre Dame teams in the past that has gone away from the run game because Brian Kelly is trying to get too cute, and they start dropping back. They get behind the sticks, and then you can't run it. And it's like, well, just keep giving Josh Adams the ball because we have the best run blocking line in the country. And I appreciate that about what Illinois is doing and what Bielema is doing is, okay, if we want to win, 
give Chase Brown the ball. The rest will figure itself out. But if the ball is in his hands, we have the best chance to win. And I, no matter how much I might like to hate on someone, I respect the fuck out of that. And I'm happy for you. Your Illinois are looking a lot better than your Aggies, who is your other team coming in this season. And who would have thought we'd be sitting here in in the later stages of October saying that? They're at, they're higher ranked than A and M, than Arkansas, than Notre Dame, than Wisconsin. <laughs> like we would have, we never would have thought that about any of these teams. Well, it's this unbelievable. I, I think that you got to be looking forward to a potential Rose Bowl berth. I think that's probably Illinois ceiling. It's because that Big Ten connection probably. to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, honestly, that's, that's I mean that's true. and that's 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 crazy to think that Illinois might be playing in a Rose Bowl this year. Yeah, and hey. going back to your point, Charlie, what you were saying, I don't know how many times we've talked about this when you're like, it's like first and goal, and you're at the two or one yard line. We always say, just do a QB sneak. Like, don't try to be cute running up the middle. Sneak it four that's times. Little, it's the best chance yeah. you have. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I love about Illinois. They will try. They will punch you in the face and run it with Chase Brown two straight times at least before they even attempt to get cute with it. And it works. It works. I think that that is the part of the game, especially in college that gives an advantage to a team that's less talented is there's less mouths to feed. There's less ego running around and you're playing with house money, you know? So everyone is thrilled. Everyone in the program is thrilled to be sitting at six and one or five and one or four and one or three and one, whatever it was leading up to this point. So Whatever it is that's working, no one's like, man, I should be getting the ball more, dude. We got to be, you know, doing this or doing that. It's like, let's keep winning because you've been starved from winning. And the programs that find that success, you stick with with what's working because all you want to do is, you know, keep the train moving. And you're not trying to you're not trying to, you know, try out new things. You know that you have a path to a higher game a bigger game a bigger atmosphere or a bigger you know a game with bigger implications than you have in over a decade so why would we even consider doing something else and you you've kind of figured out what that is which is very important and you've rattled off some big wins in a row I mean this Minnesota team looked hungry and they look like they might be the best team in that side of the conference but no no I love what they're doing they're trying to build a football culture now in Champaign. So I, when the four years when I was there, no one would go to the football games. It would be maybe even at best you go to the tailgate and then afterwards you're going to the bars like to watch college football. No one's going to the stadium. Now they're getting the boosters to give out free tickets to these kids. They want to get the stadium packed. They want to get the energy up and make it feel like a real Big Ten football game, which they should be doing. So I love that they're doing that, you know, try to change – things around culturally, maybe make us a football school. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, certainly wasn't working out in basketball. Just disappointing. It's good. Oh, it's good with the, di- it's good. I mean, you're, I'm happy you, you brought from, that up. You went from the disappointment of the basketball season. Obviously that comes with having the higher expectation, but now you you're playing it, with house money. I don't even call it disappointment. I mean, won the big 10. That was, I was at that game when we won, clinched the big 10. That was probably the most, Second most electric sports atmosphere I've been in in my life. That was uh, that was an amazing experience. Just because we lose one game in the tournament, you can't call the whole season a failure. 
I didn't call it a failure. I called it a disappointment. All right. Synonyms here. You know, like it's it's you know, I I know what you're saying. You can fail without disappointing, and you could disappoint without failing. Yeah, but where were the expectations? Where I get what you're saying, but the one 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 and done in the playoffs, like it's tough. And what's crazy is arguably this is going to be the best Illini basketball team coming in in the last couple years, which is insane to think of when we had Io pass through and Kofi pass through. Well, and think about what's happening for Kansas, dude. The football and basketball, they feed off each other. Yeah. So if if the Illini football is looking at – if the Illini basketball is looking back at a, a Rose Bowl participant Illinois football team, they're on the moon. And they're saying, well, we got to top them. You know, it becomes a little friendly competition. So things are looking good in Champaign. I'm happy that someone on this pod – is able to root for a winning team. I mean, we all share the Bears' misery. I am alone virtually in the disappointment that was this White Sox season that took years off my life. But it's you and Beach, and I would love I would love for a thriller in the big house. I will be rooting for you, the Illini 100% in the big house because I don't think that Michigan – I know they – I don't know that Michigan will – it will not be a fun game for Michigan. No. I'll tell you that. It's going to be a dog fight for, for fact. I know that for sure. It's going to be a dog <laughs> fight. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll Come see. On. We'll see. I mean, I know – okay, Illinois – Illinois, Illinois hasn't won a game. Illinois hasn't won a game of this – of that magnitude in I don't know how many years. So, I won't – I, I agree that I'm not good. saying they'll win, but I know that they, they're not going to be fun to play if Chase yeah. Brown is getting the ball 40 times. That's just not I something mean, you want to deal with. And that's just a, that's just one side of the ball. The other side of the ball, you got better. This is it's insane. You got better points per game, better yards per play stats than Georgia, Bama, all these other top defenses. You got to play Iowa, is, dude. Is number one. <laughs> no, I, I I know our strength schedule is different, obviously, but. If we're if we're comparing it strictly to Michigan, I mean, I, I don't think you could say Michigan's strength of schedule is any harder than Illinois. Yeah, I think if you take away, um, yeah, for sure. I think Penn State is probably the best is by far the best team Michigan played. So I think I think Penn State's probably better than any team Illinois played. But you yeah, have played probably. your your normal opponent is better than the UConn and the Colorado. Yeah, State. absolutely. You know, like I mean, Why? Michigan. People, yeah, Michigan yeah. had the worst, the the easiest possible. There are high school football teams that could have gone two and one in Michigan's first three games this year. That's hyperbole, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. People, people were like Michigan fans are saying like that this might be like the best Michigan team like they've seen like of all time. I'm like they've literally played complete corpses of teams, <laughs> and clearly Penn State were frauds too. So you can add them to that list. Like they, <laughs> and they are. They, I hope Illinois fucking gives them a fight because yeah, it whoever made that schedule should be ashamed of themselves. Who they play like <laughs> what was it? Yukon, Colorado State, and what was it? Nevada, Hawaii, Hawaii. Hawaii. Good joke. <laughs> They're legitimately three of the worst. Three of the worst teams out of the like, what, I th- probably three of the bottom six. Yes, three of the bottom five teams in the whole country. <laughs> That's who actually I get more props joke. to whoever made that schedule. That's tough. That's tough to pick <laughs> those guys out. 
Especially when these guys, yeah. are, they're planning these games years in advance. Yeah. <laughs> 2022, yeah, they, they shittiest some, teams. Some supercomputer predicts, like, the bottom, crystal ball. Bottom they 10, had the crystal ball. I mean, UConn was always going to be there. Teams. Yeah. UConn was always going to be there. But I mean, how does UConn even have a football team? I mean, no, we all talked those other about Big this. East teams. All those Big East teams, they don't got team, uh, football teams. They're the only one. They're, they're all D1 AA. And I think if UConn was smart, they would just scrap the football program and reinvest all that money into the basketball program. Like, dude, what? Like, you're money, probably, they're probably be, losing money on football. That money could be spent like getting kids, like, I don't know, fucking build like a nursing school or something. Like, do something, <laughs> do something productive. Instead, they're like shelling out all this money for, for no reason. It's literally a sunk cost. Do you guys like, see re- reinvest that into the fucking city or something? I don't know. Another bad look for UConn. I saw earlier. He was actually my boy in college, James Booknight. He, uh, star basketball player, all American got caught. I guess he like, I think he hit a cop car. He was hammered high as fuck, whatever driving and got away and fell asleep in a parking lot with a bag of Doritos and a handgun just sitting on his lap. So he's cooked. Um, Yeah. Just, just your average Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was honestly a couple days ago. So it was midweek. Um, tough look for UConn. The football program doesn't do them any favors. God, we spend a decent amount of time on UConn football on this show for some reason. He was coming. He was coming <laughs> every week, dude. After. Every week they come up. He was coming off a bender after watching that most recent UConn game. <laughs> Cost him his career. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Ray came in at the perfect time. I think the we had to get the U of I talk in to end the college. Uh, and the college slate conversation, but we got to get back in, um, finish up with the MLB playoffs. We did hit, I think a little better than the, the James Robinson preseason RB sleeper was the Phillies making a run. The Phillies look like maybe the most dangerous team left in the field. They just, they just, uh, is that game final yet? Yeah, it yeah Padres game. won. So it's 1-1. They came out and played a fantastic game. Granted, their offense, it wasn't like they were hitting the ball around the yard, but two bombs, one from the former Cubs, Schwarber, 488. I think that was the longest in the StatCast playoff era, or second longest. Um, I think it was the longest in Citizens Bank Park history. And, the second, second longest postseason homer behind Wilson Contreras. <laughs> wow. And and third was uh, Louis Robert in the empty Coliseum, 487, all Chicago boys. But (laughs) the Padres and the Phillies, they're rematching right now, 1-1. And a little bit of a revenge uh, revenge series for the Phillies after Blake Snell broke Bryce Harper's hand a couple couple months ago, got him from out of the season. So (laughs) I don't know that that is even – being you know discussed or if that's even a thing but i like i my main thing from these two teams is from a white Sox perspective yeah i i'm not i'm no longer loathing over the this season but the one thing that is so clear is both the star players 
the star player on each of these teams, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, respectively, were the main targets of the Chicago White Sox in offseason pass. And we got outbid on them both by like six figures, meaningless money to these, you know, nine figure deals. Like money you make in concession in your beer concessions in a couple games. And it just shows that in baseball, you need to be willing to give the money to that one guy because what ends up happening when you don't is you shell around some meaningless contracts to guys like Yonder Alonzo and John Jay that eat up that money anyway, that the veterans get the money. But when you're willing to spend it, it shows up on the field. And every team, except the Astros, who are pretty homegrown, is reflective of that. And so I know this. I know the Cubs are looking to spend big this offseason, but any team that wants to compete and make it to a league championship series, that's the recipe. Yeah, and Charlie, I actually heard that it was less than that. I think it was like 50000 that I read. That was yeah. <laughs> Which is it was pathetic. They'll get double that, easily double that just from that guy's jersey sale alone. And, I mean, yeah, just to your point, all the, the quote-unquote blue bloods in baseball, the Dodgers, the Yankees, they're the big spenders, and they're the ones that are always winning the division, always making the playoffs, always in these runs. And, you know, it kind of sucks that it's like that, but. Baseball is almost similar to soccer, international yeah. soccer in that way. It's funny. You can, you can buy your team. They people, Somebody made a point like that Moneyball doesn't win. It's like, yeah, you have to – or all the teams that are around are the spenders. But it's the – these teams are also practicing the Moneyball, like what ideals of like valuing prospects, but then also going out and – Exactly. Like, be, exactly. Being able to spend on a big, like a Freddie Freeman or something like that. Moneyball you know wins I mean? games, not championships. The the Bryce Harper, the Manny Machado are the guys that win championships. You know, and they, obviously it's, there's always the role player. Like, like Gene Segura could have the game of his life in an elimination game. And he's the talk and he's not the one. He's not the one making the Bryce Harper money. But to this point, it's. What Giancarlo Stanton, who got signed a $300 million contract, who's hitting the big elimination game home run. It's Manny Machado, who's been great. Granted, you know, you have the fucking Trent Grishams hitting f- more homers in a week in the playoffs than he did in the last three months of the season. Those things happen. The David Freezes happen. But the guys that have established themselves, the Freddie Freemans, the Manny Machados, the Bryce Harpers, the Trey Turners, you need them on your team. The Sox... And the Cubs, who obviously they were in different positions, didn't have those guys. That's why they're not playing in the third week of October. But getting away from kind of the analytics of, you know, manufacturing a winning baseball team, who is who's the favorite to win it right now? I mean, um, yeah, I think it's the Astros. Yeah, pedigree wise, I don't know. I think I think San Diego is going to pull it out. Personally, I think I think they beat Philly, and then I think it's their Cinderella year. I just got a feeling. Yeah, I mean, I can see any of these four teams winning it. I just think when you look at the Astros, I feel like they're hungry because they I feel like they want to prove to the world that they could win a championship without cheating. I feel like they have that cloud hanging over their heads. And then their starting rotation is absolutely insane. 
They just have some crazy depth at the starting position, starting uh, pitching position. Their bullpen is really solid. And their lineup has got to be the best lineup left. And the most experienced. The yeah, funny thing is, is I, I did not think I was would ever root for Houston. I think I'm rooting for Houston over the Yankees in this series. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cra- crazy to think about. I saw a yeah, meme. It was sucks. it was the twenty eight other fan bases looking at the uh, Astros uh, Yankees series, and it was just Hitler Stalin <laughs> like on a <laughs> on a poster. <laughs> or it's it's the meme. It's the meme of the guy trying to pick one of the two buttons, and he's just sweating. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I like about the Yankees is Anthony Rizzo. He's the only thing I like about the Yankees. You know, They're, he's the only reason I would cheer for them anyway. I mean, Aaron yeah. Judge is a likable guy, but, like, yeah, their fans are just so insufferable. I hate the fact that he got his teeth fixed. <laughs> that <laughs> takes away so much personality and so much, like, like, that's what's so stupid about fucking Yankee fans, dude, is, like, they'll – that was the big thing. It was, like, oh, the gap, dude, like, fear the gap. Like, it was – they be they make it, like, a trait about the team as Judge and his, and his tooth gap, and then – he just gets it fixed, and and then there's nothing to say. Oh, 62, 62. Like, they're – the only thing I did appreciate is that they all did the rock the baby when they beat the Indians because the only thing that could have been worse is if they didn't do that. Like, you have to do that after you beat them. You know, when a guy fucking clowns like that. Um, another former Cub did it at second base. I hate I hate Gleyber Torres. He's not a Cub. <laughs> yeah, he ne- he never played for the club. Yeah, so. fuck Labor Torres. I have no affinity to him. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised that Naylor does Naylor have beef with the Yankees or something. That he I think Naylor's Naylor's like, kind of a spaz. He's just a spaz. I think he might honestly be socially on the spectrum a little bit. Like he can't. He cannot. He doesn't know how to express himself in like a human way. So when he does something good, he has no like filter for what he, he, I don't think he knows what he's going to do. So like he, he, yeah, he explodes and has no control. Like, and I like that out of him, but that was fucking ridiculous. He did it the entire trot dude. And you're still losing. I thought it was so out of line just because I don't know, maybe a little more old school, this opinion, but it's like the playoffs and it's like, dude, you're playing for Cleveland. What, who on Cleveland has ever done something like that? Cleveland's always got like the Jose Ramirez is like, you see yeah. Jose Ramirez, who's a top five AL MVP candidate every year, doing this shit. Like, nah, he just shows up and oh, yeah. fucking works. You got to show respect for your opponent, you know. And I know when he was talking that shit about against the White Sox, it was because some fan was chirping him, like there's some backstory. So I'm wondering, there's got to be something to this story that set him off, you know, that got him so riled up. That's such like a niche thing for basketball too. Like no one does that anywhere else, like except like the NBA. And he's just like doing it after like sneaking one out to write. (laughs) I don't know. I I was, I was sad that I wanted Cleveland to take him down. Obviously I could, I know Marty feels the same while while we're rooting for Houston here. Um, Terry Francona continues to be the best manager in baseball. Like they said 17, 17 Cleveland Guardians made their MLB debut this year. And you have a guy coming up to the fucking plate to the SpongeBob song who's now has more playoff production and more playoff moments than the entire White Sox core who's supposed to be, you know, in the third year of their like 
realized rebuild. And dude is literally coming up to fucking who lives in a pineapple under the sea. And it was a cool story. He, he said um, when they asked him about it, he said he never wants to lose sight that he's playing a game. Like, you know, he's playing a game he loved as a kid. And like, I, I respect that as goofy as it is, but I do think that Cleveland might have made a crazy bad mistake by not throwing Bieber. Yeah, I know. Like, if your guy, if your main guy, Cy Young, triple crown winning pitcher, can't be ready to go on short notice, like, no one, you know, he has to be. You, you, you have to be able to give a guy like that the ball. I mean, we've seen in every postseason in in like our lifetimes you always give the guy in those situations you have to give the ball to your guy yeah he's not on his five-day cycle or whatever like the red sox giving chris sale the ball even if it's in relief he doesn't have to go the full way but give him the first three or four you know what i mean and then throw your bruising bullpen at him it's just you can't the the season is over tomorrow until it's not you know it's not i think they looked at it like the season was Still tomorrow, um, you know, they looked at it the wrong way. What I heard is that they were saving him because they're worried about his injuries from the last couple of seasons. They think that they'd be pushing him. But it's like, who cares if he's injured? You need him. This is why you want to keep him healthy. It's for moments. Yeah, like and this. it's not like That's he's throwing like 300 innings, you know? None of these guys right. are throwing the 300 innings that they used to. Like, dude, Justin Verlander has been going on short notice for Houston regularly in the postseason and Justin Verlander has thrown 10 times the amount of innings as any of these guys because Justin Verlander was still you know he started his prime when guys were still throwing consistently 200 innings a year and he was throwing 120 30 pitches sometimes 140 pitches a night so it it's really seems like I don't know if it's more of like a mindset or the the philosophy now or it's just the way guys' arms are developed with, you know, they throw harder and the velo is higher, but it's not, you can't do it for as long. And I think that's almost a lost art now is guys can't go as long where you had Justin Verlander who would build up to the seventh, eighth, and ninth. You know what I mean? Where he's throwing 96, 97, and then he's got a full count in the eighth on his 110th pitch, get, hitting triple digits. Like, that doesn't really exist anymore, but I still, as much as Cleveland's a rival of us, I'll always fucking root for Cleveland because I respect Terry Francona. The Sox let him go. He was coaching in our, he was coming up like a player in our minor league system coaching and had rave reviews all around. And this is a very different, very different, uh, you know, last 10, 15 years if Tito stuck around. Well, it wasn't his yeah. choice, but. He managed Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think they're boys, honestly. I think I've yeah, seen shit where they're boys. But, yeah, I am I like rooting for the smaller markets. Like we said, the big spenders are normally the final four left. Um, and that remains true. But I do think the Astros will probably overmatch the Yankees just because that, that arm depth that they have. Like, whoever J, – JV is – better than whoever they're throwing, however they want to line it up. Framber Valdez is probably better. He's their number two, and he's better than any guy on the Yankees. He's better than Nestor Cortez. So I think that I think it might be uh, 
Stroh's in five, honestly. Yeah, depending on tonight. Right now it's 1-1. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw. Astros tied it up. I have not been watching. I'll be watching that after this is recorded. Well, yeah, we can wrap up. Um, we have the – what, they're going back to Philly on Saturday or on Friday? Yeah, it's got to be Friday. It'll be back in Philly. Um, I think I think the Phillies just taking game one gives them a big advantage because Philadelphia will definitely be the home field. I think the better home field in this series is Philly right now. Um, just there's a lot of reasons, but I think them taking one is a win here. Uh, I th- I like a Phillies – I like a Philly-Houston uh, World Series – and um, yeah, let's go watch the rest of this game, fellas. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. <laughs>